Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for the very warm welcome. You may be seated. You may be seated. If you're jealous because I've got a nice coffee, the coffee cart will be open after the service. You can get yourself one as well. If you're a visitor, you get a free coffee. And then when you come back, because you will want to come back, because we're amazing, then you get another free coffee and another free coffee. You get, you get three free coffees. Three free coffees. I'm not even going to, you know, comment on the women quiet in church thing, because don't get me started on that one. There are people that still believe that. And there are people that have left this church because there's women on the platform. But I'm not going to go there. (laughs) That's not what I'm up here to do. (laughs) Oh, it is 2022 and the new covenant, I believe. (laughs) So, the title of my message today is Worshippers and Warriors. Do we have any worshippers and warriors in the house? Oh, yeah, we do. We have some worshippers and we have, we are both. We are worshippers and warriors. I'm going to read from 2 Samuel this morning. So if you guys want to turn there with me, let's read the Word of God together. It's a good thing to do in church or anywhere. So I love this passage of Scripture because it's it's about when David bought the, the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem because it had been absent. And he noticed that there was something missing. There was something missing. If we don't have the presence of God in our life, there's something missing. If we don't have the presence of God in our home, there's something missing. If we don't have the presence of God in our marriage, there's something missing. If the presence of God is not in our church, there's something missing. There is something enormously important missing if the presence of God is not within us and around us. It is so important. The presence of God is so important. And so that's why when David became king, one of the very first things he did was bring the presence of God back. I want to make a statement this morning over 2022. It's time to bring the presence of God back. It's time to bring the presence of God back. It's time to bring the presence of God back into your personal life, into your house, into your prayer time, into your personal time with God. It's time to welcome the presence of God back. Because when the presence of God leaves, it's a very, very sad thing. It's a great loss. It's a great loss when we lose the presence of God in our homes, in our own lives. It's a great loss. And it was a great loss that Israel, under Saul's leadership, had lost the presence of God because they'd taken it for granted. Because Saul treated it like a lucky charm, like something he could just pull out when he wanted God to move on his behalf. 
When he wanted to win, he thought he could just say, bring out the Ark of the Covenant, but the rest of the time, I'm just going to do my own thing. And because of that attitude, the presence of God was lost. There was no obedience. There was no surrender. There was no inquiring of the Lord. It was just, God, do what I want when I want you to do it, and the rest of the time, I'll do what I want. (laughs) That's not how it goes, is it? So we're going to read from 2 Samuel chapter 6, just a a short passage, so stick with me. If you've got it in front of you, it'll make it easier for you to stick with me. David again brought together out of Israel chosen men, 30,000 in all. He and all his men set out from Belah of Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim. So the ark of God represented the presence and the power and the glory of God. They set the ark of God on a new cart and bought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and and Ahio, Ahio, hey, hey, ho, ho, (laughs) however you say his name, was walking in front of it, and David and the whole house of Israel, Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with songs, with harps, with lyres, with tambourines, sistrums, which I was going to look up and I forgot to, and cymbals. I've got no idea what a sistrum is. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Azza reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. And the Lord's anger burned against Azza because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry. <laughs> David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, this place is called Perez Uzzah. Perez means to break out against. David was afraid of the Lord that day. How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household because the presence of God was in his house. That's what happens when the presence of God is in our house. Now, King David was told the Lord was blessed has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts. We just talked about the shout and the sound of trumpets. And as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. And we'll leave it there for now. Okay, so to lose the presence of God is a very great loss. 
There are, there are churches and movements and buildings all over the place that started and were planted during a great move of God. And some of those churches and movements are now very stale and devoid of the presence of God, which, which saddens me because to lose the presence of God is a, is a very great loss and it's a place where we never want to be. And that's why in this church we are so passionate about pursuing the presence of God, inviting the presence of God, moving with the Spirit of God because we must have the Spirit of God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to do life with us. He, he doesn't want to be distanced from us. So in David's first attempt to bring back the ark, he gets it very, very wrong. But his intentions are good. His intentions are so good. He just wants to bring the presence of God back. So he inquires of the Lord, and we find this in Second Chronicles. It talks about this a bit more. And he learns that the presence of God is not meant to be carried on a cart with oxen. He went to all the trouble of building this brand new cart. He went to all the trouble of choosing these perfect oxen. And he put the, the Ark of the Covenant so carefully on the cart and he carried it. But God's presence was never made to be carried by animals. It was meant to be carried by people. And that's where he got it so very wrong. So he inquired of the Lord and, and God said, The presence of God, my presence is meant to be carried by my people. And so the second time he got the priests to carry the presence of God back to Jerusalem. We are made in the image of God to carry the presence of God. We are now kings and priests, which means every single one of us is, is designed to carry his presence wherever we go. In the Old Testament, it was only the Levitical uh, priests under the new covenant, we are kings and priests. So we are designed to carry his presence. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us we are now a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people devoted and belonging to God so that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his glorious, awesome, amazing, life-changing light. We are that chosen people. We are that royal priesthood that now carry his presence wherever we go. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a privilege? Is there anyone here who has been called out of darkness? Is there anyone here who can say, I've got so much to thank him for. I've got so much to praise him for because I've been called out of darkness. I've been called out of depression. I've been called out of sickness. I've been picked up out of the dirt. And if it wasn't for God, I don't know where I'd be. Is there anybody? Is there anybody that wants to praise him? Because you know without him, you just don't know. You just don't know where you'd be. I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for Jesus. I don't know where I'd be 
I honestly don't know where I'd be if he didn't pick me up when I was a broken little girl and wrap me in his arms and say, I've got a better life for you. I don't know where I'd be. I've got so much to praise him for. And you've got so much to praise him for. He's brought you out of darkness. He's given you a new life in his light. And you can carry that gratitude and that presence and that glory with you wherever you go. You can share the good news of what he's done in your life with whoever you meet. And that's what we're called to do. I don't care who you used to be, but I know that if Jesus has saved you, you are washed You are sanctified, you are cleansed by the blood of Jesus and you are a vessel of his presence. That's who you are. And don't let the enemy tell you that you are anything less than that. Don't let him try and tell you that you are unworthy to carry the presence of God. If you are saved, you are washed, you are sanctified. The old has gone and the new has come. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has gone. And you might still mess up sometimes because you're human, but the old has gone and the new has come. And David messed up. Have you ever tried to do the right thing for God? Have you ever tried to do something for God and you've, you had the best intentions and it didn't work? This, this is a time where David had the best intentions and he messed up enormously. This was a monumental failure. A man died. Someone lost their life. Have you ever made a mistake and it and it hurts somebody else. Have you ever made a mistake and someone close to you suffered because you messed up, because you stuffed up, because you were negligent, because you were distracted, because you were trying to do the right thing, but you messed up? And No wonder David was angry. No wonder David was angry because when that happens, you get angry with yourself, don't you? And he was angry at God as well. Has anyone ever been angry at God? Is anyone brave enough? I have been angry at God and I'm not ashamed to admit it in church. There's times where things just don't go the way you want them to go, even though you've done everything right in your own eyes. There's just times... There's times where other people, you make mistakes out of your own immaturity, out of your own pride, out of your own lack, out of your own humanity, and other people get hurt and you feel terrible about it. You feel terrible about it, don't you? I was looking after a little girl one day and she fell out of our jacaranda tree because our kids used to climb trees. Uh And I had to ring her mum and say, "Um, you need to come and pick Brittany up because she just fell out of our jacaranda tree and broke her arm on my watch. And I felt terrible. I felt so bad. She was, her mum was really cool about it. She was amazing. She was just like, ah, kids climb trees, it happens, it's fine. She was amazing. 
But David had made a monumental mistake and somebody died. We're not talking about a broken arm. We're talking about one of his best men that he asked to do this, that was put his hand on the presence of God because David forgot to inquire of the Lord about how he should treat his presence. We, we need to inquire of the Lord how we treat his presence. We need to treat his presence with honour and respect. And I'm not talking about religion, I'm, I'm talking about relationship. Let's honour who he is and treat his, let him do what he wants to do when his manifest presence turns up. We don't have to manipulate it, we don't have to force it, we don't have to touch it, we don't have to try and catch it. We just let God do what he wants to do and we just stand in awe. That's how we treat his presence. Awesome. Where am I up to? So he was dancing in front of the ark as it was coming down the road. And, and the Bible says that he stripped off his royal robes. He took off his crown he was in his linen ephod dancing before God because he was so excited. He was so rejoicing before God because he was making a statement that when we come into the presence of God, it's not about our titles. It's not about our degrees. It's not about where the boss at work or, or where the PR manager or where the teacher or whether whatever we are. It's not about how many letters are after our name or none of that impresses God. It's not about, you know, when I come into the presence of God, I'm not Pastor Kylie. I'm just a daughter of God. You're just a son of God. You're just a daughter of God. When you come into his presence, you can strip off everything else because nothing else matters to him, just your heart as a son or a daughter. So David was making that statement. In this moment, I'm not a king. I'm just a son of God who's ushering in the presence of God. I'm just a son of God here with all my people and we're rejoicing because God is with us. So that's the statement that he was making. And when we come into God's presence, he just wants us to come as a son or a daughter and leave everything else at the door. That's who we are. But, but Michal looked down from the window and she despised him. She despised him because in her mind, his worship was undignified. Because she was the daughter of Saul and she'd grown up in the palace. And Saul didn't honour and worship God. He built a monument to himself because he was the king. And so she was used to a king that honoured himself instead of honouring God. So she looked down on David and said, Honey, you're a king now. And you really should leave your robe on. And if you really must worship God with such exuberance, can you do it behind closed doors? Because you're a king now. And it's not very dignified of you to dance like that with the commoners, you know. You know, you're, you're royalty now. 
you know. So you're making me look bad, honey, by being so passionate. Because I'm a daughter of a king and that's not how my father behaved in public, getting down amongst the commoners and taking his clothes off. And if you really must worship God with such passion, can you do it somewhere else? We should never look with disdain about how someone, upon, on someone who's worshipping God with all their heart because we don't know what God's done for them. We don't know where they've been. We don't know how broken they were. We don't know what God's doing in their heart in that moment. And we should never judge them and say, look at them making a fool of themselves. That clamorously foolish worship that it talks about in Psalms is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And to be honest, we should be so caught up looking at Jesus in our own moment of worship that we're not even worried about what God's doing in someone else. That's God's business. That's between them and God. I'm just keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus. I'm honouring him in that moment. I'm not going to look at someone else and judge their worship because that's between them and God. And God touches different people in different ways. And that's awesome because that's the creative, wonderful, amazing God that he is because he knows what you need in this moment. He knows every heart in this room in this moment. And he knows how you need to encounter him in this moment. In John 4, 23 and 24, after Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, she was so moved by him. She was so touched by him that she, she asked him, how should I worship you? I want to know how to worship you because you've changed my life. And, and Jesus says the time is coming. He says to her, because she says, you know, do I worship you on this mountain? Do I worship you on that mountain? Um, tell me because I want to know. And Jesus said a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. Because God is spirit and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So that's the kind of worship. It's, it makes it really easy for us because Jesus spelled it out for us. This is how I want you to worship me. I'm not impressed by whether you know the lyrics or not or whether you can sing the harmony or, you know, whether you just lift one hand or two. What really matters to him is that we come to him raw, that we come to him real, that we come to him in truth. And whatever we're going to, through, we bring it to his feet and we say, God, this is how I'm feeling right now. And, and no matter how I'm feeling, I choose to worship you. But right now I'm struggling, but right now I'm broken, right now I'm beat up. I've had a tough week, I've had a good week. Whatever's going on, just bring that truth to him. 
Because worship is not about putting on your Sunday face and doing your Sunday thing. And because that doesn't impress God, what impresses Him is that you come real, that you come raw, that you come when you've had a bad week and you come when you've had a good week and you come when you're depressed and you come when you're anxious and you come when you're afraid and you come when you're struggling and you come when you're grieving and you come when you're crying and you come when you're rejoicing, but you just come to Him real real and you come to him in truth and you come to him and you connect not just with your head but with your spirit spirit to spirit spirit to spirit spirit to spirit and some of you your spirit is so dry and shriveled right now because it's been too long it's been too long since you had the water of the presence of God wash over you. And your spirit needs CPR and it needs you to get in the presence of God and let him feed your spirit and let him water your spirit and let him revive your spirit and come alive again. Come alive again to his presence. Start to hunger for him again. Start to thirst for him again. Because some of you have starved your spirit so much that you're not even hungry anymore. You've got an anorexic spirit because you've starved it half to death. And it's time to feed it again. It's time to water your spirit again. It's time to get in the presence of God again and totally abandon yourself and say, I'm not leaving until my spirit connects with you, Father. I'm not leaving this place. I'm not leaving your presence until I feel my spirit start to flourish again. Flourish again. Come alive again. I feel an urgency to tell you that if you don't heed that invitation into his presence, <laughs> say no more. Say no more. There is never a point of no return. But why make it so hard for yourself when he says, I have living water for you. I have bread for you. I have nourishment for you. My heart is for you to flourish in my presence. So why do we make it hard for ourselves? I don't know. But God desires worship that comes from deep within. Not rhetoric, the fruit of our lips from the depth of our heart. Can you worship God when you've tried to do something good and it's failed? David, three months later, got back up and said, I'm going again. I'm going to do this. I tried once and it failed, but I'm getting up and I'm doing it again. He said, I'm back. You don't get rid of me that easy. I'm back. I'm doing this thing. I'm bringing the presence of God into Jerusalem. Is there anybody that can say, I'm back? 
You know, devil, you thought you got me when I was disappointed. You thought you got me when I failed. You thought you, you dug me so deep into condemnation and guilt and shame that I'd never come back. But you know what? I'm back. I'm back. David said, I'm back. I'm doing this thing. I might have failed once, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it again. Because I've heard from God this time. I learned a lesson from my failure. Has anyone learned any lessons from their failure? And you can say, now I'm wiser, I'm stronger, I'm more determined than ever, and I'm back. I'm back. David was wiser the second time round. Hey, it's keeping you awake, isn't it? Because it's hot and we need to keep awake. And if you're worried about the time, there is no time in God. Some of us need to do this and just go, I'm here to hear from God. It's Sunday. What else have you got to do? It's Sunday. It's God's day. Any other appointment that you have on Sunday, it doesn't matter. It's God's day. Is it not? I'm almost done. I'm going to... It's, it's my husband's fault because he preached this whole message before I even preached this message. But he's allowed to, and I honour him for that. Because he was in tune with the Spirit, saying exactly what I'm saying now. So, I want to speak to some men who are under the misconception that worship is a woman's business. Come on. I want to speak to some men who think I don't get into all that worshipy stuff. It's a little bit too emotional for me. It's a little bit too airy-fairy and vulnerable and lifting my hands and closing my eyes and getting on my knees. It's not really that manly, is it? If there has ever been a more manly man than King David, show him to me. He could slay a giant with one hand and worship God with the other. He could lead an army one day and lead Saul into the presence of God the next day. Come on. If there has ever been a man more manly than King David, more passionate for God than King David, show him to me. Worship is not a woman's business. Worship is a son and daughter of God business. Every son, every daughter is called to be a worshipper and a warrior. Slay a giant with one hand and worship God with the other. If you want to win the respect of your wife, become a worshipper. Instead of raising your voice and asserting your authority... Why not raise your hands to God and get down on your knees and worship him? That's what a real man does. Young men, if you want to attract a woman of God, become a worshiper. She will be more attracted by your heart that you keep soft in the presence of God than your muscles that you work so hard to keep hard in the gym. 
she will be more impressed by your soft heart than your hard biceps. <laughs> Weren't she, girls? And young women, if you want to attract a man of God, spend time in the presence of God working on your inner beauty, on your, your inner heart, your soft heart, your inner beauty. That's just a little bit of advice. Awesome, I'm going to skip a bit. We'll, go, we'll get to that another day. <laughs> I'm going to skip a bit. <laughs> That's what David did in front of the... He skipped a bit. <laughs> I'm in my linen ephod. I just, I just want to teach a little bit on the presence of God really quickly. Is that Okay. When we encounter the manifest presence of God, things happen. There's the omnipresence of God, which is the presence of God that is always in us and on us if we're, if we're a believer. Yes? There is the manifest presence of God when he shows up because he wants us to encounter him on a whole new level. There's two different kinds of presence. When the manifest presence of God turns up, things happen because our flesh, our natural, comes in contact with the supernatural and things happen. So there's manifestations of the manifest presence of God. That's why it's called the manifest presence of God. So in the manifest presence of God, some people feel super relaxed. Some people cry. Some people shake. Some people laugh. Some people prophesy. On Wednesday night, we had people everywhere prophesying over other people. It was so beautiful. I was just walking around and I was just hearing the prophetic words just flowing so beautifully. People encouraging one another, prophesying over one another. If you look through scripture, whenever the manifest presence of God turned up, people fell on their faces. People prophesied. People appeared and disappeared. We haven't seen that yet. Maybe we will. But the thing is, don't get freaked out by that. That is simply an outward sign that God is doing something internally in someone's life. We, we don't need to get hooked up or freaked out or focused on the manifestations. What we celebrate is the God behind all that. The author of all that is who we keep our eyes fixed on. So I just want to say, if and when that happens, it's okay, you know. And if some people don't feel anything, that's okay too. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It just means what, what he's doing in me might be different to what he's doing in you. And what he's doing in you, it might be different to the person standing next to you. It's all, it's all okay. God loves all of us. And like I said before, he knows what each one of us needs. So when Moses went up on the mountain, he came down and his face was glowing and the Israelites freaked out and said, don't make us go up there. If that's what, you know, if that's what being in the presence of God does to you, we're freaking out. But the, the thing is, to, if you know God, it's only because they didn't know God that they were afraid of him. 
when you know God, you trust him and you know that he's a good and loving father and he will never do anything in you or to you or around you that would ever harm you because everything that he does is for our good and for his glory, for our good and for his glory, for our good and for his glory, everything that he does. So you can trust him. You can trust him. I just felt like I needed to tell you that because we're moving into a season, a new season where we might see some of this stuff happen, but it's fine. It's, that's, it's good. It means God is working in people's hearts. It's been, it means God is doing amazing things, but we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We can trust him. We can trust him. Awesome. All right. I'm going to finish with this scripture. Isaiah 55 verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek the Lord and call on him while he is near. And I, and I want to say in this season, God is near to us. And don't let this season, I'm not saying he's ever away from us, but he is choosing in this season to manifest his presence so beautifully to us. And I don't want you to miss out on what God is doing in this season. So seek God while he may be found. He, he's doing things in this season because he wants you to come closer. He wants you to come closer. So, and it's a choice. It's a choice. We used to sing this song from Psalm 100 that said, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will, I will, I will, I will. Entering the presence of God is a choice. It's an invitation. And yeah, we need to make that choice. I will. I want to. I'm, I'm excited to enter the presence of God. Awesome. All right. Can we stand to our feet? Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this season. Thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Your desire is that we know you. Your desire is that we desire you. We hunger after your presence. We come running into your throne room. We enter your gates with thanksgiving. We enter your courts with praise. Thank you, Father, that you are a relational Father. Thank you for your great love towards us, Lord. We're excited about what you have for us this year, Father. We're expecting. We're expecting for what you have for us this year, Father. We lay down our preconceived ideas and our expectations, but we are expectant. We are expectant for what you're going to do in this season. Lord, it's, it's a fresh season. It's a new year. 
thank you for times of refreshing. Thank you for times of refreshing in your presence, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, as Stephen said before, if you're struggling with disappointment, like David had to deal with disappointment, failure, you feel like you've made mistakes and you don't want to risk it again because you've been hurt or others have been hurt or you stepped out and you failed. God's saying it's time, it's time to step out again. You're wiser now. You've learnt, you've learnt. You've learnt from the past. But but if that's you and you'd like some prayer, we'd love to pray for you. Or if you are desiring a fresh encounter with God and you're finding it difficult to press in, we'd love to pray for you. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.